Can you hear me? All right, there we go. Can you hear me? Okay. All right. Well, first of all, it's nice to be back at Dorsal Baptist Church again. Uh, we uh, went and spent about five months up in Brookfield, um, Kim's hometown, um, doing fundraising. Uh, we just got back the day before Christmas or so. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been weird coming back home, but it's been great to be back with you guys and back to you know where I feel safe and loved. <laughs> not that not that we didn't have an amazing time in Brookfield, and uh, the people there were really great to us and receptive of you know our uh, our mission stuff, and they, you know they they got involved in a lot of really good ways. Um, and I, I'm not going to get up here and not talk about our mission stuff, at least for a minute, so just bear with me on that. Um, uh, before we left, we were about 50%. Um, right now, we're hovering at about 61, 62%. Um, you know, it's, that's not as much as we'd hoped to come back with, but, um, you know, that's, that's what we've got. And 60% is still great for us, you know. That just means we're that much closer. So I'll just throw it out there again. If, if you haven't considered joining with Kim and I, please just come talk to me anytime. Talk to Kim anytime. We, we would love to sit down and talk with you, tell you everything there is to tell you about it, and, you know, you just let the Holy Spirit lead you, you know. Maybe he doesn't want you to give to us. Maybe he does. But anyway, uh, just throwing that out there. Um, yeah, when, when Brent asked me to do this, um, I, I kind of identify with Roth. What he was saying this morning is, you know, I, he was trying to preach it himself, and any time I get asked to speak or, or preach or, or anything like that, that, that's what I try to do. I try to find, you know, what's what's not right in my life, and and try to dig into the Word deep enough to write a sermon, and hopefully, hoping that God will speak to me and that God will, um, you know, reveal to me what I need to know as well as speak to you. Um, originally, I had planned on speaking about um, being patient and waiting on the Lord. Um, I apologize for telling you that on Tuesday, <laughs> and, uh, but anyway. Um, uh, and uh, the passage I was going to use for that, I'll, I'll just read it real quick, just uh, so you get an idea of where we were going with that. Um, Therefore, having been justified by faith, oh, this is Romans Five, one through five, by the way. Um, Therefore, having ju been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have obtained our instruction by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Um, going through what Kim and I are going through, uh, you know, I, I can really only speak to myself. Um, this whole part about, uh, you know, exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance and perseverance proven character and uh, on to hope. You know, that's, that sounds really 
great, but it's, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to, to think like that. Um, you know, we, I mean, Kim and I have been raising money for a long time trying to, to go where God wants us to go, and it's just, uh, you know, that, that was why I wanted to preach on patience and waiting for God, because I myself was just discouraged and downtrodden about, you know, my own insecurities and, and, and all this stuff, but... Um, once I wrote the whole sermon, I kind of realized that's what it was, and I just thought, I, I can't preach this. This doesn't make any sense. Um, so what I am going to share with you guys tonight um, is a song. It's a song that I've, I've loved for a really long time. Um, it's by one of my favorite bands of all time. They're a Christian group called Me Without You. Uh, the song is called The Beetle in the Coconut Estate. No, that sounds kind of silly. You just have to use your imaginations a little bit as I go through this. Um, it's based off an old um, poem about the search for truth. Um, and when the guy rewrote it kind of into a song, he, he basically just copied it verbatim, but he um, kind of steered it towards truth as God, finding God, not just finding you know what we would call truth, but... Um, you know, a, a search for God, and, and what that entails, and what it what it costs you. Um, so I'm gonna say a prayer, and then um, we'll jump into it. Uh, Father, thank you so much for bringing these people here tonight, um, and for giving me the opportunity to speak. Father, I just um, I, I just pray that this will make sense. Um, I pray that uh, you will give me the words to deliver this. That um, God, that you will speak to people's hearts and. Uh, just uh, help them to, to open their hearts to you and to your message. And uh, God, just bless everyone here tonight. And we thank you so much for your love for us. Amen. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read for you the first half of the song. And then we'll, we'll go back and uh, kind of pick it apart a little bit. Okay. So just to premise it, this is a song about... Or the poem is about, the song's about, it's about a group of dung beetles who live on a coconut farm. So that, that just sets it up for you. Um, so um, basically at the, at the beginning, the, the very first part of the song is, um, as the moon rose and the hour grew late, they help on the coconut estate, raked up the dried leaves that fell dead from the trees, which they burned in the pile by the lake. So the beetle king summoned his men from the top of the rhododendron stem, calling all volunteers who can carry it back here. The great mystery's been lit once again. One beetle emerged from the crowd in a fashionable abdomen shroud, said, I'm a professor, you see, that's no mystery to me. I'll be back soon, successful and proud. But when the beetle professor returned, he crawled on all six as his wings had been burned and described to the finest detail all he'd learned. There was neither a light nor a heat in his words. The deeply dissatisfied king climbed to the same stem to announce the same thing, then in his second appeal sought to sweeten the deal with a Sirat Pat Parashar ring. The lieutenant stepped out from line as he lassoed his thorax with twine, thinking I'm stronger and braver and I'll earn the king's favor. One day all he has will be mine. But for all the lieutenant's conceit, he too returned singed and admitting defeat. I had no choice, please believe, but retreat. It was bright as the sun, but with ten times the heat. 
and it cracked like the thunder and bloodshot my eyes, though smothered with sticks it advanced undeterred, carelessly cast an ash cloud to the sky, my lord, like a flock of vanishing birds. Okay, does that make sense to anybody following? Okay, so we go back to the beginning. Um, So basically what we have here is a group of dung beetles that live on a coconut farm. And every night, the guys at the end of the day, they light brush fires. And to these beetles, this brush fire is, you know, like, they, they call it the great mystery, is what the beetles call it. So, you know, to them, this is almost like God. It's like their equivalent of what God would be. Um, and so the king decides to call all of his men to see who would be willing to try to go bring this light back to them so that they could understand it. Um, the king wanted it for his own. Um, so one beetle came out and he said, I'm a professor, you see, that's no mystery to me. Um, I have a verse for that. Um, what do you think the professor would represent? Man's attempt to use our intellect to understand God, possibly. Let's see. Let's see, Job 26, 14. Okay. This is a, a verse I found that uh, just shows how little we can possibly understand of God or ever ever figure him out in any way. Um, by his breath the heavens are cleared, his hand has pierced the fleeing serpent. And then here it says, Behold, these are the fringes of his ways, and how faint a word we hear of him. But his mighty thunder, who can understand? Um, I mean, it just goes to show how baffling, you know, God is and who he is and how in our relation to him, how little and insignificant we, we really are. We, you know, like uh, Roth used the verses this morning, you know, that we need to set our mind on higher ways. You know, these are the, the higher ways that, that, you know, we just can't understand the power of God. Um, and so, let's see. After the professor came back, let's see, I'll read the, the words for that one, too. Okay, but when the beetle professor returned, he crawled on all six as his wings had been burned. He described to the finest detail all he'd learned, but there was neither a light nor a heat in his words. I think that last line is, is the most important. You know, he, he went and he got as close as he could, and he could describe it perfectly, but that wasn't what the king wanted. That wasn't uh, what he was sent there for. He was sent there to bring it back. You know, he says, you know, this description is really great. We, we get it, but um, it, it doesn't do us any good. There, there's no light or heat that comes from your words. Um, so, uh, let's see. So the king is very unhappy. He climbs to the top of the stem again and uh, makes the same plea. And, and this time, the lieutenant stepped out from line. Uh, and and his, his mindset is, uh, you know, I'm stronger and braver and I'll earn the king's favor. One day all he has will be mine. Um, I think uh, 
you know, this represents a lot of conceit on our part. Uh, I, I, you know, I think that this, this guy thinks that he, he's so strong and brave that he can, you know, he can subdue God with his great strength. Um, and, and I think a lot of people fall into that trap. They think that they don't need God because they've got everything that they already need. They've, you know, they've accomplished everything. Um, so, so far what we have is we have a beetle colony and this fire that gets lit every night and, you know, these beetles are just, you know, in wondrous awe of, of what this great light is that they can never understand. And uh, they've, they've done their best try to go and understand it in their own terms. Uh, you know, they've sent their smartest beetle. He came back half dead and just, I give up, I don't understand. So then the, the bravest beetle comes out and says, I'll, I'll handle it. You know, I, I can do this, I can do anything. And, and uh, he, he comes back exactly the same, completely defeated by, by you know, a, a small campfire. Um, what do you guys think that the beetles represent? If this was all a metaphor. Any guesses? Us, yes. What do you think the fire represents? God? God's will for us? The path we're supposed to walk? Maybe? Any of those sound good? That, that's that's kind of where I go with it. Um, so anyway, um, on this, you know, we will never measure up to God. And... Uh, the power, you know, compared to him, I have a. Let's see. This just talks about God's power and how, you know, hopeless we are against it. Let's see. Jeremiah ten twelve through fourteen. Uh, it is He who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His wisdom, and by His understanding He has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from, from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Um, so yeah, no matter how strong the Lieutenant Beetle might be, or how strong any of us, or you know, yeah, any of us might you know think we're so strong that um, you know we, we, we don't need God's help or, or anything like that. Um, we kind of fall into the lieutenant beetle category, um, and that's that's pride, you know, thinking that you have to do everything yourself, that you're above asking God for help. Um, that that's not going to give you any progress in your Christian life. We have to learn to completely rely on God for everything. Um, now I will read the second half of the song. Okay, so we just got back and we heard the Lieutenant Beetle's description. So now we hear from the king. Uh, the Beetle King slammed down his fist. Your flowery descriptions no better than his. We sent for the great light and you bring us this. We didn't ask what it seems like, we asked what it is. So again, he's reiterating, stop telling me about it and tell me you know, what it is, show it to me. Um, 
I, I think at this point in the story, the king is, is finally starting to understand that you know, all the devices and intelligence of his fellow beetles put together is not going to be able to figure out what this is. The only way to, to truly understand it is to uh, fly right into it. Uh, you know, this is kind of the point where, where he realizes what he has to do. Um, and so next, he, you know, you, you can see a real change in the king. First, the king is just demanding, hey, bring me this now. And, you know, and that doesn't work. Um, and he realizes, I think, what God, you know, what, what he has to do, his, his attitude kind of changes. He becomes uh, a little bit kinder. Um, so the next, the next phrase is, um, his majesty's hour at last is drawn nigh. The elegant queen took her leave from his side, without understanding, but without asking why, gathered her kids to come say goodbye. Um, this, um, when I was going through this, this made me think of one of my favorite verses, really, favorite passages. Um, you know, the sky, without, without much other than just a quick attitude change, has already come to the point where he's ready to leave his wife and kids goodbye. You know, and he's the king, so he's leaving all the prestige and the power and, and, and all of this behind. Um, and, and this is, like I said, my favorite verse. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Um, I think what they're saying here is that this is what discipleship is. You know, God calls you and you drop what you have to drop and you do what you have to do to do what God calls you to do. I mean, as important as we think everything in our life is, you know, our, our house and cars and what will we do with this and what we do with that. If God calls you to do something, just do it. You're going to be miserable. Trust me. Um, so he says goodbye to his kids and uh, here it's uh, him talking to them. He said, uh, and the father explained, you've been somewhat deceived. You've all called me your dad, but your true dad's not me. I lay next to your mom, and your forms were conceived, but your father's the light within all that you see. I thought that's pretty profound. You know, I mean, in the context of the story, these beetles don't know who God and Jesus are. You know, they, they just know that, that God is there. You know, like there's, there's a verse, I can't remember what it was, you know, that, that no man can say that he, you know, never knew who God was because you can look at the sunrise and the trees and, and, and nature and see God's creation. Um, I mean, I think that that's kind of the, the view that these bugs have because they, th they see things in bug terms that, you know, they don't, uh, it's not us. But anyway, um, so after he says, your father's the light within all that you see, um, he goes up. He goes on describing um, who who God is, the character. He says he fills up the ponds as he empties the clouds. He holds without hands and he speaks without sounds. He provides us with the cow's waste and coconuts to eat. 
giving one that nice salt taste and the other the sweet. He sends the black carriage the day death shows its face, thinning our numbers with kindness and grace. And this next line is probably one of my favorite uh, lines I've ever read, especially concerning our relationship to God. It says, And just as a flower and its fragrance are one, so must each of you and your father become. I'm going to read that twice. Just as a flower and its fragrance are one, so must each of you and your father become. It's pretty close, right? Flower and its fragrance, they're inseparable. You know? So, uh, now the king, king starts to uh, speak again. He says, Now distribute my scepter, my crown, and my throne, and all we've known is wealth to the poor and, in, and alone. Without further hesitation and without looking back home, the king flew headlong into the blazing unknown. I always have to stop on that line. Because uh, uh, <laughs> I have to ask myself, but I'll, I'll ask all of you, you don't have to answer, but when was the last time you felt like you were heading off into the blazing unknown for God? I mean, it can be hard to think of an example even for me. Um, it's a tough one, but, you know, if the answer is never or I can't even remember, maybe you should uh, think about that. I'm not trying to step on any toes or anything. Um, okay, so after he flew into the blazing unknown, um, he got a name change. Um, so this beetle zzz, right into the middle of the fire and all the other beetles are standing around watching like, okay. And so the, the next line is, as the smoke, ring, smoke king curled higher and higher. See, his name is now the smoke king. They don't believe that he's just burning to death in a fire. You know, to them, he's the smoke king. He, you know, he went to the fire and he came out the top, you know, completely different. Um, uh, as the smoke king curled higher and higher, the troops flying loops around the telephone wires said, Our beloved's not dead, but his highness instead has been utterly changed into fire. Um, and and that, that's a line I, I really like a lot, too. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I remember 15, 20 years ago or so when I was young, everybody always talked about being on fire for Jesus. It's not something I hear that often anymore. Um, but what if you took it one step further than being on fire for Jesus and you just utterly changed into fire, you know? Like there's no being on fire. You're just either in it or you're not, you know? Uh, an expression I, I, I like to use when, when people talk about you know, following God's will. We were even talking about this in Sunday school this morning, you know, about when, when the Holy Spirit presents you opportunities to speak to people or witness to people and it's very uncomfortable for you, like it's somebody that you wouldn't ever want to talk to or, you know, like you're just, you're like me, you're kind of introverted anyway, you know, and you just would rather keep to yourself. Uh, when, when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, don't don't make up excuses and walk away. Just close your eyes and, and, and dive right in. You know, I, I, and I think God 
God rewards that, and God will use you in a big way when you when you do that, because that just demonstrates that you trust God to take care of what's going to happen. Um, All right, um, the very, very last line of the song, um, and it's, it's kind of different because it's, it's written totally by itself. But um, the last line is, why not be totally changed into fire? You know, why not seek God's truth and just totally throw yourself into it? You know, I mean, jumping into the fire makes it sound kind of risky and dangerous, but, um, you know, the, the search for, for truth in, in Christ is, is not an easy journey. You know, the, the more that you learn and the more that, that God places things on your heart and gives you direction in your life about what he wants you to do, um, you know, it, it doesn't get easier. It just gets more satisfying, I guess. Um, so, thank you guys for listening to me tonight, giving me the opportunity to speak. Um, again, it's, it's great to be back and see all you guys all the time. Um, just continue, please, to pray for um, Kim and I as we uh, try to wrap up our fundraising and, and get on the field and start seeing some seeing God do some work in Spain. Uh, I really think that it's going to happen. We just got to get there. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's my sermon. Dave, you got to... Hmm? Yeah, let's pray. All right. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for uh, allowing me the chance to speak. God, I, I pray that uh, I wasn't just rambling nonsense. God, I pray that uh, you were able to speak through me. God, just uh, please, please be with this church. Please bless uh, uh, all of us, God, that that we could just go out and be a light for you every day outside this church, and then we could just watch the church grow from there. Um, and God, I, I just ask that uh, you'll be, be with everybody on the Africa trip, um, and uh, just just bless their efforts there and. And just let there be many, many salvations. And keep them all safe.